Timothy uh, to kind of set up what we're talking about. So William James, he says it like this. He says, the best use of life is to spend it for something that will last it. Your best use of your life is to spend your life on something that will outlast you. Now, that was the quote that he said. The, the best way to use your life is to do something with your life that's going to live long beyond your life. So what, 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 what we do, it matters and it moves on. Um, we, we get the first words ever recorded from Jesus. Um, uh, he's 12 years old. It's the first time we hear Jesus speak in, 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 the, in the Bible. It records of what he said. Uh, his family lost him. They went to a celebration, uh, one, of the, one of the feasts. And on the way home, uh, they thought he was family members. And a few days later, they realized Jesus is not with family members. They're not there. And so they kind of, the parents freak out. Mary and Joseph, you can only imagine, right? And they have to go back backtrack and go find um, Jesus where he's at. So they go back to Jerusalem and they find him in the synagogue in the temple with, with, the, uh, with the other uh, teachers of, of, of the law. And he's there dialoguing and talking. So a 12-year-old boy is beginning to have these discussions. His parents like freaked out like, what, what is going on? We can't find you. You're lost. And he says, the first words recorded is this. He says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? So the first thing he says is, man, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what my call on this life is all about. I would be about God's business. Not, not like Joseph's business, not being a carpenter, but his father in heaven. And he said, did you know I was going to be there? And then the last words recorded, uh, which is Good Friday we celebrate, the very last words that he said was, it is finished. So the bookend of Jesus' life, those, I think those are appropriate. He understood what, he was, what life was about, and he accomplished it. And he was able to say, um, it is finished. In your hands I commit my spirit, it is finished. So essentially he was saying, God, the mission you gave me, I finished it. I accomplished it. It's, it's done. And that's why we celebrate uh, Easter and Good Friday is because Jesus came for a specific reason. And the 33 or, or so years that he lived, he lived with such intentionality that he was able to make an impact that lived long beyond him. Um, historians will say he mo- one of the, the most, maybe probably the most influential person that ever lived and walked on the earth. What he did, it keeps moving on, keeps going, inspires people to keep doing good, keep, keep bringing change. And so he just he knew what he was about. Uh, Proverbs 11.30 says like this. He says, it says, Godly men or women, are growing a tree that bears life-giving fruit. Your life is growing something that, if you're following God, if you're wanting to be the kind of person who wants you, you're growing a tree that, that, that is going to give life-giving fruit to others. And all who win souls are wise. So there's two ideas that if you're consistent in, your, in, in what God is calling you to do in your life, you're going to produce life-giving fruit for others. But and the second part is that you'll be wise if you won souls, if you use your life not just for yourself, but for others. And so it's, it's a... It's a long-term mindset, not a short-term mindset. It's, it's, it's saying, what can we do to, to think long-term? And, and today, as we talk about Palm Sunday, the, the message, really this is the heart of, of our church I want to talk about is we, we have a long-term uh, goal, and we have a long-term objective that we're trying to accomplish. And we know that they start with, with initial steps, but it, we can't stop at one choice. It keeps moving on, and it moves forward. Um, we're going to talk about that. So here's the, here's the passage I read that I said, this is our church, and I need to talk about it. Because as soon as I read it, I said, this is the grove. This is what we are all about. This is, this is us in action. And, and as I read it, I, I began to think about um, our team that shows up here on Sunday mornings about 7 o'clock. Uh, they get here, they begin to put the stages together, put the lights together, and uh, different ones get here a little later, and they start setting up the kids' ministry in the hallways, uh, get all the, the goodies and the, uh, the, the Krispy Kreme donuts, and um, we have different team members doing all kinds of different things to prepare for this moment. Um, and, and as I read, read this, this, this part of, uh, of, of, um, of Matthew, I, I said, this is our church. I need to talk about this on Palm Sunday because this is what we do. This is why Easter is even more important for us as a church because we know that we'll have more people next week uh, possibly than we've ever had in, in the history of our church at one time. 
Uh, we'll have more people in this room than we've ever had before, and we want to take advantage of that, um, and, and we want to be prepared for that. So I want to share a heart of why we do church. And uh, this is what it says in Matthew 9, 2. It says, Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. I read this, this story, what, what happened, and I said, That is the grove. That is us. That explains what we do. Uh, some people... That's, that's our team. That's us, the, the church. We are some people. They brought him to, to, to Jesus, a man who was paralyzed on a mat. Every single week, we have people come, and, and you might be the person, even now I'm coming, but you're not paralyzed maybe physically. You can't, can't move, but, but spiritually and emotionally and, and maybe even paralyzed with fear. There's things in your life that, that are broken, that are not working, and, and you've come because you're saying, I, I need to find something that works. And every single week, while well, people are coming in these doors, and they're looking for that very thing. I need to find something that works because what I'm doing is not working. And, and, and this story is some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. And, and it says this, that Jesus seen their faith, um, the faith of the, the, the people that brought him on that mat. It was their faith that Jesus responds to and says, wow, because you did your part. Man, I'm, I'm now going to forgive this man. I'm now going to heal this man. And the story goes on. Jesus heals the man. Um, he gets up and walks, so he's no longer paralyzed. But it started with people saying, I want to look beyond myself and see something um, that's greater than just my story, just greater than my need. And these guys, it says, we'll read the story in a second. It says these four men, they actually saw the need of their friend and said, all right, we heard about Jesus. Let's take our friend there so that God could do something amazing in his life. And that's what we do every single week. We, we are carriers of mats for people. Uh, our service is just a vehicle to help people encounter Jesus. That's why we exist. We want people to know there's a better way for them and that God, God has a good plans for them. Let's read the whole story in entirety in Mark, another, one of the other Gospels. It, it records more of the story. And this is what it says in Mark 2. It says, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. So let me set this up for you. Um, Jesus, in, in Mark 1, uh, he begins to his, his public ministry. Um, and each gospel is written to different audiences. So Matthew's written to one audience. Mark's written to another one. And they start in different ways. Some start just with the action right away. Others build up with the, with the, the history of who Jesus is. Um, um, others start with the birth of Jesus. But Mark just gets in the action. He says, this is Jesus, starts the ministry, begins to heal people, begins to do some amazing things. And, and in chapter 2, it says that when Jesus returned to, to the city he was at, several days later after he began to heal people, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Um, and so... The, the news spread quickly, and, and the, the house that he was staying in began to be filled up. And it says it was so packed, there was no more room, even outside the door. So here's, you can picture it, right? Jesus is in the house, and it says, well, he was preaching God's word for them. Uh, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat showed up. So there's Jesus in the house. It's packed, full to the brim. No more room. You can't get in, can't get out. People around the windows, people on the doors. You can't move. And so these four men show up, seeing the crowd. They didn't turn around and go home. They did something about it. So they're carrying their man, their, their friend who's paralyzed. And these four guys, it says that, that they took it and they saw it. And, and, and because they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowds, they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I love this story. These four guys bringing their friend that's paralyzed, don't let the crowd stop them. They figure out they're, they're creative. Um, um, they, they look for other alternatives, other options of how they can get Jesus to, how they get this man, their friend, to Jesus. They don't let the crowds stop them. So they just go on top of the roof. They dig a hole. And they're like, they get the hole done. Then they lower their friend on the mat down to Jesus. So you can imagine Jesus talking. All of a sudden, the ceiling begins to break open. Everybody, okay, the room's packed. So you know people are getting stuff falling on them. Like, what in the world? So as they, they start moving out of the way. Like, I don't want to get stuff on my hair. I don't want to get all dirty, all that. So they begin to move away. 
and uh, they began to lower this man. And even that in itself was like, wow, this is um, this is interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's just it's different. And um, Jesus looks at the faith of their friends. So the man is there. He can't move. He's paralyzed on a mat. They just lowered him. He looks at his, the friends of these four, these four guys that are on the roof, and it says because of their faith, Jesus responds to his need. He sees them, and he says, because you care about this guy, I'm going to care about this guy. I'm going to do something about his need. And he responds. He does something about it. In fact, he says this. They dug a hole. They lowered the man on, his, on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And he looks at the man who's, who's paralyzed and says, your sins are forgiven. And then the story goes on. It says there were some religious people that were sitting in the room, and they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Who does he think he is? Like, only God can forgive sins. And it says Jesus, knowing their thoughts and what they were thinking and what they were saying, he responds and he says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, take up your mat, and walk? And then he says, so to prove to you that the Son of Man, that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. In verse 12 of Mark 2, it says this, The man jumped up. All right, I think we would all jump up in that moment, right? It's not like, man, I can move. I'm no longer on this, on this mat for the rest of my life. I can, I can move. I'm free. I'm healed. Jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. People are freaking out. Right? This is just an incredible story, right? Stuff falling on your head. This guy gets lowered. Jesus responds. Religious people in the room are, are upset. Jesus is doing good and uh, who they should be doing the good themselves. And, and in the middle of this, he gets up and he leaves carrying his mat. And they were all amazed. They praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Since we've started our church three and a half years, we've seen a lot of people come on mats, not knowing God, hurting, having their needs, having different kind of needs that they need to be met. And they come, they encounter God, they encounter his life-giving message, they encounter his plan for their lives, and then they begin to live this. And they walk out carrying their mats that they were living on, that they were laying on. And then they return carrying some of their friends. This is what our church is all about. We are, we are people that are rescued who are now rescuers. God has called us to be on a rescue mission. He's invited us to say, would you care about others in your life? Life is so short. Would you use it to impact, to make an, uh, an internal difference in somebody's life, in many people's lives? Would you make this? Uh, so, Cesare, we were talking about this story, and, and, and through text last night as we finish up, she, she sends me this picture. She says, this is how I'd bring them. She's like, they didn't know they could send their friend by crowd surfing on the mat, right? Just send them. And then she sent me another picture, and she said, actually, this is how my friends will go to Jesus. Like, this is this, how and then a few minutes later, she says, never mind. She says, I just watched some crowd surfing videos. I saw four failures and uh, those poor people, ouch. And she said, um, I don't know if I can trust people with my people. Um, I got to take them myself. And, and I laughed. I thought it was so funny because I said that that's so true. You know, one of the things I love about our church is you can trust your friends and your people to, with, 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 our, with our team, with our church. It's amazing how many people every single week will, will bring somebody with them to say, would you come and find, 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 find the plan God has for your life? Come and find something that you've been looking for, something that you need. Would you come and find it? John 1, 4, uh, 40 through 42, it says that Andrew, it says Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard that John, what John had said and then followed Jesus. So Andrew was a, was a, a disciple of John the Baptist. Uh, he heard John the Baptist say, here is the, the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world, which we celebrate on Easter. And he says, here he is. And it says some of John's disciples left and began to follow Jesus. Andrew is one of them. 
And Andrew, he went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, the Savior. We have found him. And it says that then Andrew brought his brother Simon to meet Jesus. He was a bringer. Andrew was a bringer. These four men that were carrying him out, they were bringers. Andrew was a bringer. He said, uh, he brought his, his brother Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, which means a reed, something that's, that's the wind blows and you kind of go with the wind. Just whatever circumstances come, you kind of move. That's kind of what his name meant. He says, you'll no longer be called uh, Simon, but you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. So your life is no longer going to be dissuaded by what comes. You're going to be a rock that God can do something amazing with. And he changes Peter's name. And we know the story of Peter. He goes on to be one of the main leaders of the church. God uses Peter in, in powerful ways, in amazing ways. He gives the first message after, after Jesus go, uh, is died, dies on the cross, raised from the grave. And people want to know what this is all about. He gets up and he, and he speaks to a whole bunch of people. And they give their lives to Christ. Peter was used. But it, it took somebody saying, hey, Peter, I found Jesus. I found the person we've been waiting for, looking for. Come and meet him. We want to be the kind of church that are, that are bringers. They're saying we want to be the kind of people that are looking for opportunities to bring people to Jesus and other times take Jesus to people. We want to do this. Andrew, another story of Andrew, it says that there were some Greeks. Uh, these would be people that weren't Jewish, so they, they came and they wanted to meet Jesus. And, uh, and it says that, they went, that somebody went to Andrew and said, hey, Andrew, let's introduce them to Jesus. So Andrew brings them to Jesus. So at times we bring people to Jesus and at times we bring people, at times we bring Jesus to others. Um, Here's the thing about bringers. The four guys carrying the mat. Bringers, they've made the choice that it's not about them. It is about adding value to others. People who are bringers, they realize that life is not about, about them. And here's the thing. It's not natural. It's not natural to serve others. It's not natural or easy to make life about others. Uh, we are all, um, um, by, by nature, selfish. All of us. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's natural for others to serve us. Like, that's great. Yeah, I'm important. Serve me, serve me. Take care of me, take care of me. That's natural to get that, right? So baby, you learn that. Like, you cry and they give you stuff, right? We learn this. And so, but what happens is a lot of times we don't break that and we think that we're still like that. Like, I cry, I make noise, and people just take care of my needs. And, and we're not. I can prove it to you that we're all, we're all this, this, this selfish bent to us, all right? When you're in a group of people and somebody takes a picture, who's the first person you look at? told you you're selfish, all right? Man, you guys are so selfish. And if the picture's good, you're like, yeah, post it. It's ready to go. I like that one. I look so good. And if the picture's bad, you're like, wait, wait, wait. Nobody move. Wait. Let's retake this thing. I do not look good, right? You don't probably don't say it. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Let's just, I think, I think we get a better angle. All right. Right? We're all like this. It's not natural to just serve others and to love others. It has, to, it, it takes a choice. It's, it's, a, it's a point of maturity where you say, okay, it's no longer about me and me crying for all the things to get fixed like a little baby. Now I have to grow up and mature and begin to help others and take care of others and help others. And bringers know this. Those four guys that carried their friend on the mat, it wasn't about them. They said, our friend has a need. He's the one that's, that's sick. He's the one that has to, to be healed. And they brought him to Jesus. It's about make, making that choice of saying, how can we add value to others? Bringers are saying, are people who say, how can I add value to the situation? How can I value this person? Because every single person you meet, you have the choice to be somebody who just takes and sucks and does that, or you can be the person who says, man, how can I add value to this? I, I, I guess a question, a good question to ask is, when you show up into a room or to an environment, what do people say about you? Are they like, oh, man, that person's here. I got to go do something else. Or do they say, wow, I'm glad that person's here. I know they're going to add value to this conversation. I know they're going to be that person that helps elevate the, the environment, the atmosphere of this room. Like, it, it just got better because that person showed up. 
What kind of person are you? See, whether you're a Christ follower or not, whenever you show up to a room, you are doing one of two things. You're adding value or you're taking away. And you can only take away for so long before people begin to avoid you. People don't be able to be around you. But those who add value, there's always room at the table for those people, right? You have those friends. Like you know them because they show up. You're like, man, this person's going to keep, they're going to, they're going to actually listen to my needs. They're not going to talk the whole time. They're, they're going to care for it. They're going to respond. They're probably going to have a resource. They're going to do something to help add value to me. Those people, they always have a, have room at the table and they're always welcomed in. So when you show up, what does the environment, what do people say about you? I, I would hope that, it, that, that eventually you become that person you add value to everybody that's around you all the time. So the guys that were bringing their friend, they were adding value to their friend. Andrew, he was adding value to his brother because he knew we've been looking for this Messiah. We've been waiting for this Messiah. It's time. And he said, we need to go now go see him. He didn't hold it for himself, the information. He didn't hold the power for himself. He didn't hold what he had. He said, I'm going to help others. And here's the thing, though, when it comes to this. is, is It's not, not natural. We, it's a choice that we have to make. It's, it's to add value to, 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 to help others. Um, if, if you're going to enter into other people's worlds, you have to leave your world. What I mean by that is there's this idea that the world revolves around me, right? That's like our world. We have to leave that world if you're going to enter into somebody else's world because it can't revolve around you. You have to be able to enter in and say, how can I help? And a lot of times um, when, we, when we do this, it's, uh, when, when we don't care for others, we don't add, add value to others, it's not so much that, um, that we don't care, it's just that we're just not close to them. So lack of care is usually a result of lack of contact. People that don't care for others, it's usually because they're not around others. They're, they're, they're so absorbed with themselves that it's all about me, they don't even open up and look at others to see what, they, what, they, what they're going through. And here's the thing I want you to know is people matter. People matter to God. People need to matter to you. Your friends, your neighbors, people around you, learn to be somebody that adds value. And then here's another thing about bringers. Bringers focus on long-term results, not just the short-term challenges. The bringers, they understood, the four guys, that people stopped their way to bring their friend to Jesus, and they didn't let that stop them. It slowed them down, but it didn't let them stop them. They kept moving forward. Um, it's not just a one-weekend thing. It's a, it's a, it's a life thing. It's, it's a long-term thing. We're moving forward with this for eternal results. That's the goal that we have. We're looking for these opportunities to, to say, how can we add value to others? And here's the thing. This principle is not just for Christians. I, I would hope that every single person at some point would turn their life over and say, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to give God my life. But if, whether you're a Christian or not, this principle applies to you also. If you're going to be a person that adds value, then your life will outlive you. If you're not, then it dies with you. And a wise person is one that says, I want to, I want to help others. I want, to, I want to add value everywhere I go. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I, I was reading a book about habits. It's called The Power of Habits uh, by Duhigg. Uh, the author's du- last name is Duhigg. Great book. I would recommend it. It's, it's about um, how pa- habits are created, how to change habits, how to do things in, uh, differently and, and all that. Um, it, it's just a really good book. And in this, in this book, there's just one chapter where he talks about keystone habits. Um, just, just a great, great chapter. And he talks about this company that changes one thing, and it changed everything else. Um, he, he tells a story of... Um, Essentially, what it, what it, let me explain a keystone habit first. A keystone habit is one single habit that you do that has a, a, a multiplying effect with other habits. So you do this one thing, and all of a sudden all these other habits, usually healthy things, begin to also uh, move forward with it. It's, it's a small win, and a small change becomes contagious and fuels and starts patterns and momentum in other areas. Uh, for example, you know, people that want to lose weight, uh, they sign up for gym memberships, they begin to do diets. But typically those don't last uh, because they go back to their old ways, their old habits, their old patterns that they've already set. 
And so there were some researchers that wanted to figure out why is that? Why do people not stick with it? What, what, what is it about it that, that these are changed to really make a difference? And so researchers, they got 1,600 people that were overweight, that were obese, and they asked them for, to, to do this one simple um, um, project. They said, would you just do this one thing? Here's the assignment. And for whatever the period of time was, they said, would you just record uh, what you eat, everything you eat in a food journal one day a week? Just start there. Just one day a week, record every single thing that you eat. Record it all, all the details. And at first, you know, it was, it was kind of challenging and hard. The participants would forget their notebooks. Uh, they would forget to enter in, like, food that they ate that wasn't healthy, things like that. Uh, but after, after a while, they began to notice that um, the people that were doing it once a week all of a sudden started doing it maybe a couple times a week. And those that started doing it a couple times a week began to notice something. There was patterns in their eating habits. They noticed that at 10 o'clock, a lot of them, that they, they began to get hungry. And so they would go to the vending machine and buy a snack. And so they said, well, instead of doing that, why don't I take something healthy with me? If I know I'm going to be hungry at 10, I'll take something with me that will be healthy that I can eat. And, and so they began to take snacks to work at that time and eat that, that snack. And then they began to notice that the participants, not only were they starting to record everything they were eating, but they began to record and make future plans for food, food plans. Like this, I'm going to eat dinner here and all this stuff and all the plan. And then when they'd get home, instead of choosing the, uh, the, the food that wasn't healthy or good in the fridge or the, the pantry, they would choose the healthy food. And here's the thing. The researchers didn't ask them to do any of that. They didn't ask them to do any of those changes. They just said, would you just record once a week? But it was a keystone habit. They, so they found journaling your food, food, food journaling, is actually a keystone habit for a lot of other things in your life, of eating healthy. And they began to, they, they began to find that. Um, what they found is the, the, the people that would do this consistently, food journaling, they lost twice as much weight as others that didn't. It's twice as much. Like it was, it, was a, it was a faster process because they began to change their habits. They began to change the way they, they, they worked with food, op, operated with food. So keystone habits. They said food, in his book, he says food journaling is one of those. Another one, this is very obvious, exercise is another keystone habit. What they found is people that exercise, and here's the thing, research backs this up. Right? They do research of people that work out, and this can only be one time a week. Even if people just do it one time a week, these same effects can happen. Um, they said this, that what happens when people exercise regularly is they change other habits unknowingly. Um, eating better. People that exercise that regularly, they eat better. Uh, they're more productive at work. Uh, people that work out, exercise regularly, they, they smoke less. Um, this is a good one. They show more patience with colleagues and family. How many think it's a good thing, right? Man, more patience. Anybody need more patience with family and colleagues? Come on. Maybe you need to start exercising, right? And so they use their, they use their credit cards less frequently. People that exercise regularly, they found that they use them less regularly. They say that they feel less stressed. They feel better. And, and here's the thing. They don't even know completely why that happens. Like, they're unsure, like, what exactly causes this? They just know it's a keystone habit that, tr- that triggers other uh, spreads other changes and it spills over. They say exercise spills over into other areas of our lives. Another key habit they said for, for he- families that want to be healthy, um, fa- regular family dinners are super important. Uh, they said that, that families that eat dinners consistently, study shows that they raise children with better homework skills. Uh, their kids get higher grades. Uh, their kids have greater emotional control and are more confident. They don't know why, just that, that those things, that one habit, spilled over into other areas of these kids' lives. Um, for productivity, they say making your bed is a keystone habit. People that make their bed in the morning, they're more productive. Uh, they, they're, their well-being is, is, is healthier and better. Uh, they have, uh, and here's what I think is really interesting. People that make their bed in the morning, they're stronger, they have stronger skills at sticking with a budget. Uh, so if you overspend, maybe you need to start. You've been doing the wrong thing, right? <laughs> you just start in the morning, like, making your bed really nice and getting things really good, and that'll, that'll spill over into how you spend money. It's interesting. 
Um, another one, and this is multiple things, I just kind of lumped into one, is, is monthly, weekly, and daily planning. You know, when it comes to money, we call it the budget. When it comes to time, we call it time management. But essentially, what it is, is it, 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 when it comes to your money, you have to assign every dollar a destination, right? So budgeting money, that's a, that's a keystone habit. It, it bleeds into other things. You're healthier with your finances. Uh, you have to tell every single dollar where it's going to go. Or, you know what happens if you don't? It just goes away, right? If you haven't told your money where to go, it just disappears, right? Last week, you're like, where's all that money go? It's because you didn't tell it where to go, and so it just flew away. It had its mind of its own. It found its own destination. So budgeting is saying, I'm going to assign every single dollar a place. So the end of the week, week, end of the month, I can look back and say, yep, it all went to where I asked it to go. It's a budget. The, the, the same is true for, for marriages. Um, marriages that, are, that have healthy communication, a lot of times one of the keystone habits is talking about your, your calendar, monthly calendar. So you look at the month, say here's all the things going on. Here's for the week, you start your week off. Sunday's the first day of the week. Maybe tonight as a couple you'd say, hey, what do you have going on this week? Well, I have this, this, and this. Okay, I won't be frustrated with you on Tuesday when you come late because now I know you have a, an appointment. I won't be mad at this. And so it opens up other, other areas. Uh, people that are productive, they plan their day the night before. So before they go to sleep, they, they get all their stuff ready. So that way, they, when they start their day, they're ready to move forward. It's a keystone habit. So I was reading this. The whole point in saying all this is because I was, I was preparing for this message. I was beginning to think, like, what do we do as a church that might be a keystone habit? Like, what would that be for us? What is a keystone habit for the Grove? Like, what is that one thing that we can do well or do, do, do good consistently that would spill into other things in our, in our church life and in our family life and all that? And this is what I came down to. I said, I think this would be the keystone habit for us, that we would be bringers, that bringing is a keystone habit. Another word I would use for that is caring, that we would be the carriers of people. And what I mean by that is not just bringing them to church. I love that people bring their friends to church, but it's more than that. Bringers and carriers are not just those that say, hey, come to church with me, right? They're also saying, how can I take Jesus everywhere I go? See, you're not just a bringer of people to church. You're a bringer of God to people all around you. And that's, that's the call that God gives us in our life. He's saying, how can you be this person that adds value to others around you? And I guarantee if you are a bringer that takes God with you to work and to family, that those moments when they really need help, they will actually respond and say, yes, I think I want to know. Because what happens is when you add value to others, at some point they say, why do you care so much? What's different about you? Everybody else takes and takes and takes, but you add value. Why? And that's the point where you can say, well, let me introduce you. Let me show you. Let me tell you why. Let me show you what God's done in my life. That's what a bringer is. It's somebody who carries God's presence wherever they go. See, when we say, you know, don't just invite your friends to church. Bring your friends to church. You know, don't just, don't just, tell, don't just um, go to work. Take God with you to work in your life. I promise if you live with that mentality of saying, everywhere I go, the atmosphere is different because I'm here. It's Jesus' prayer. Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? I want you to bring heaven to earth. Everywhere you go, you're bringing a little bit of heaven. That was, that was Jesus' whole mission, his whole call. He's bringing heaven to earth. He's helping rescue people from the hell they live in so they can have life and life eternal. So they, can, they can have a better life than they ever thought, imagined, possible. And he invites us into that same call of saying, there's a better life for you available if you'll just respond and say, yes. Would you take that with you everywhere you go? So you walk into the grocery store. You're alert. You're aware. I mean, I bump into people all the time. I meet people, and I know it's not an accident. Like, there's a reason I'm meeting this person. There's a reason that I've encountered this person. I ran into um, a lady in our church this last week. Um, it was kind of crazy. We're at the corner of one of the gas stations, and there's a red box, and I was dropping off red box movies. 
And uh, one guy comes up, hey, it's one of the, one of the team members. And we're like, hey, what's up? And then a second later, another car pulls up, and another family from the church gets out and is like, man, this is the Grove Corner. And then a second later, another car pulls up, and I guess we all wanted Redbox movies or something. But but it, but after a while, I was like, it's not an accident. Like these people that got here, like I began to talk to one, and it was like we needed to have this conversation. Like there was something really there. I live with this this reality of that everywhere I go, things are different because I'm there. Like I add value. I walk in a room and it's better because I'm there, because I, I add value. I look for those people. Um, I'm a bringer. I'm a carrier of God's presence with me everywhere I go. And here's the thing that happens when we do this. Um, and here's the thing about, about being a bringer or a carrier is it's not just it's, it's about bringing people to God, but it's also about bringing God to people. There's the two parts to it. What would it look like if our whole church got on and said, how can I add value to others? How can I bring the people that need God to, to find God? And how can I take God to those that need it? That paralyzed man couldn't get to Jesus by himself. He needed people and friends. Somebody that cared about him says, there's something better for you. The family that brought my parents uh, to church when they first gave their life to Christ, they were, they were carriers. They were bringers. And they, I don't think they ever imagined the impact they would have on that one family. Um, stories over, over and over. Billy Graham just passed away. We celebrate his life, right? 99 years old. A great, great, great speaker and preacher and evangelist. Had a huge impact. Spoke to millions of people throughout his lifetimes. Millions and millions. I don't, I don't know if the guy that, 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 the crusade that he went to, that God spoke to him and challenged him, his name was Mordecai. I don't, I don't think he ever imagined the person that was in his audience and the impact he would have on this world. See, every single Sunday, I believe there's people that God sends that God wants to do something amazing in their lives. And I'm believing that they're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Because you're going to learn something that you'll take with you to your work, to your family, to make, to add value to others. So for our church, we said like this. It's very simple. We're trying to do four things. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover purpose. And we want people to make a difference. So we do these four things over and over and over. We found ways to say this is what we do. When we're, when we're as a church, this is our vision. Um, and here's the thing. Our vision doesn't make, it makes the most sense when you bring an unchurched person with you. I promise you, you bring something that doesn't never been a church, you begin to realize, like, oh, wow, our church is super friendly. Like, we've created environments that, that is, is for them. That they can help engage them. Um, I try to use humor. I try to use stories, like psychology, things I'm learning that have nothing to do with the Bible, per se. I mean, they're all intertwined, but it, it's to make a connection point. I talk about keystone habits because I'm hoping that somebody in this room heard something about um, a keystone habit that they need to change so that it'll make them better. I'm trying to add value to somebody that even doesn't necessarily want maybe God yet, but they want answers. And so I'm trying to build bridges to say, hey, there's more to this. And the reason, by the way, those principles work is because it's in the Bible. Like, the Bible talks about those over and over and over, how it's important. There's keystone habits Jesus tells us we should have. You should study about those. When you begin to do those, it bleeds into every other part of your life. But to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Um, last week, uh, we've had a, 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 a regular attender, somebody in our church, that invited a friend. Uh, they, they've been coming for a few weeks. And last week... At the end of the service, Nate gives, gives the, the, the challenge and, and the, would somebody like to respond to Christ, to the message? And uh, this person's friend rose their hand. And after church, I said, hey, your friend rose their hand today. She's like, I know, it was so awesome. That's why we do what we do. It makes sense because all of a sudden now we're connecting people to God. It, that's the, that's the, so for us, a win for us, a short-term win, win is when a regular attender invites an unchurched friend and they come back the next week because they saw enough value that week that they wanted to come back. Now, if that same unchurched friend brings an unchurched friend with them, we celebrate. Like We're going to buy some cupcakes, and we're going to buy some whatever, and we're going to celebrate with confetti because that is, that's the bullseye for us. 
When somebody invites their own church friend who invites another church friend, it's, it's awesome. Here's how we say, here's, here's what we do as a church, so you know. Knowing God, this is our weekend services. This is the widest door that we introduce people to, to Christ. So weekend services are very intentional. We do them short um, and, and on purpose. We want people to look at their watch and say, wow, that was enjoyable. I think I'm going to come back next week. Give them more. Give them, give them, they want them to have, want more. Find freedom. This is small groups. We get in relationships. We begin to help people walk through um, the issues they have in their lives, and we all have them. Um, if you don't think you have them, that's your issue, and we want to help you with that issue, all right? Because you have them. Uh, find freedom. Number three, discover purpose. This would be our growth track. This happens every single uh, week, first, second, third, fourth uh, Sunday of the month. Uh, so 101 is on the first Sunday. Today's the fourth Sunday, so it's 401. If you want to learn about what it, what it looks like to serve on team, you can go to the party room after church. We'll have 401. We do this every single month. Why? Because we're pointing back to what we do every single month. We're reminding ourselves this is what it's about. It's our playbook. Growth Track is our playbook. Uh, so we want people to discover purpose. And then number four, we want them to make a difference. When you join team and you become not just, a, not just an attender, but you're a participant, when you're on the, the playing field, when you're in the game, it's so much better. And, and church makes so much more sense. And what we do makes more sense because you're a part of making a difference together. And here's the thing about us. If this mission doesn't excite you, that's okay. Find a church that, that does excite you, though, because time is too short for you to have to endure a church that you don't like. You need to find a place that you say, I, I enjoy this, I'm growing, I'm learning, and I'm making a difference in my life. That's what it's about. And for us, um, I have a lot of relationships with other pastors in the city, and I build those relationships because I want to know where can I send people when they don't fit here because I want them to fit somewhere. It's our heart. It's not about growing the grove. It's about growing the kingdom. And there's times where people, they want something that we don't have. We say, yeah, we don't have that yet, but this church over here, I recommend, they have an amazing thing that you're looking for, that exactly what you're looking for. You should go there and, and add value to that. Get involved and get plugged in. Be, be consistent in it. Make a difference. So essentially we're saying be unselfish. Now, one of the things about the grove that I learned is, is trees, they naturally do this. It's, it's called, they're altruistic is the word. That they, they would give up something of nourishment them for themselves to help another tree that's sick or another plant that's sick. And, and, and even plants, they, they do this. And people that are unselfish, they're like this. They, they use their life to help others who, who aren't getting it, that are struggling, that are, that are sick, that are hurting. And they say, I want to be a part of this. Proverbs 11.24 says it like this. Um, it is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man, that would be the generous man, shall be rich. By watering others, he waters himself. So here's the concern. Some people think, well, if I only add value to everybody else, what about me? It's, well, what happens when you take care of everybody else, everybody else begins to take care of you. It's reciprocal. It just happens on its own. It's a byproduct of that. It's, it's, and you don't do it to get that. That's just the results of it. When you care for enough people, people will care about you. And when you help enough people out to accomplish their goals and their dreams, people will help you accomplish your goals and your dreams. It just happens. It's part of what happens. And so when I say keystone habit, if we were bringers and carriers of God's presence, the reason it's a keystone is because when you begin to live in such a way saying, how can I carry God's presence everywhere I go? I mean, you, you pay attention to people's needs more. Um, you're aware of things. You, you actually participate in the team in a different way because you realize, man, I'm going I'm to help serve people that come to the Grove so they can, their friends can connect to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in the kids' ministry so that parents that, um, that brought their kids can sit comfortably knowing their kids are well taken care of. And not just that, their kids are going to want to come back week after week. After, I tell some of my friends when they, they, they come, say, we've been wanting to come. I say, well, hey, just so you know, when you come, if you bring your kids, they're not, they're not going to want to go anywhere else. I promise you. So just be careful. Uh, once you bring them, they will not want to go. And it's amazing how many of my friends have come. They say, man, my kids always want to go back to the Grove because our kids' ministry is awesome. It's, it's amazing. 
Uh, so a couple things we could do when it comes to being a bringer and being participating in, in, in the journey God's calling us. One is pray. Um, pray. Pray for God to continue to help us be a church that reaches those that are farthest from him, those that are, that are lost. Uh, we, have, we, we always want to remember that even though we have a lot of people in these seats, there's a lot of people out there that aren't in these seats. And how can we build bridges to them? How can we add value to those people? So pray. Uh, pray for me. Um, one of the goals we have for our services, we want shorter services for a reason. But it's hard, harder to speak a shorter message than a longer message. I can speak for an hour really easily because I'll ramble and just go on. But if I only have 30 minutes to 40 minutes to speak, I have to condense that. That's not always easy. So pray for me. Pray that I would be able to do a good job communicating effectively. And then as you pray for me, pray that God help me in my heart to be open to whatever is being said, that I'll be able to receive and respond to that. And then act upon what is said. So this week, I'm going to challenge you. Would you act on that? Do something with it. Do something with it. So pray. Serve. Another word for serve would be go. Like look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to, 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 um, to help others, to add value. And then number three is give. That would be giving of your time, which is the most valuable thing you can give, of your talents, things that you, the gifts you have, and then your treasure. Look for opportunities to say, I want to use my life to be generous to help others. Um, so be open. Uh, Mexico, we just took a team to Mexico. We are, we are carriers. We're, we are bringers. We are taking, adding value to that church. I just saw a post from the church that we worked at, the church I was at. Um, they just fixed a, a roof that was leaky, uh, partly because somebody in our church said, hey, I'll, here's some money that I've been wanting to give to a church. Would you get it to them? And so we took some, an offering, some money to help this church to fix their roof. And some other churches did that. And, and it's amazing to see the progress. And we added value. And now they're doing a better job because somebody said we want to come alongside and add value. Um, Matthew twelve eighteen, Jesus says, uh, it says this about Jesus. Says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing their nets into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. It's interesting that the very thing that God calls them to is to do what he's doing. A fisher of men is somebody who's saying, I want to win souls. I want to help people to know the answers to their lives. I want to help people succeed. I want to add value. Come follow me. We're going to go win people. We're going to... What's interesting about this, this, this story is Andrew invited his brother Peter to Jesus, but they didn't start following Jesus right away. There was this, this period of time that went on that they didn't respond immediately, but they added value. Andrew added value to his brother and just added value to Peter. And at this point later on, Jesus says, now follow me. And it says they left everything and they followed him. God is calling us that, would you come? Would you follow me? That's Jesus' invitation for us. And, and here's the thing. We said short-term is when an unchurched person, uh, when, a, when a, a regular attender brings an unchurched friend and they come back the next week, that's a short-term win for us. A long-term win for us is, is life, life change. When somebody begins to let their life be transformed because they've heard enough of the, of the lessons and the messages of the Bible of God, that their hearts being open, their behaviors being to change, that, that, is, that is our long-term goal, that we want to see people begin to, 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 to make a difference. So our message content, um, our, our service and our environments are, are designed for unchurched, but our message content is always designed for life change. We want to challenge people to do something better with their life. So here's our challenge for today. Our challenge is this. Would you choose today to make your life about more than you? Choose today. It starts with one choice. Would you choose today to make your life more than just about you. This week, would you not just look at how, how you get all your needs taken care of? Would you be able to look to add value to other people? Be a bringer. Be somebody that says, I'm going to take, I'm going to add value to everybody in my life wherever I go. 
Make that goal. When you, when you walk into a room, people are generally excited and happy that you're in that room because you're going to be something that adds value. When you go to the grocery store, add value to the clerks. When you go out to eat, add value to your waiter or waitress. That means tipping a little better than you usually do. Speaking something kindly to them. Add value to your kids. Look for opportunities to add value in the car when you're walking and when you're driving. Um, add value to the teachers. Add value wherever you go. You're just looking for opportunities to say, how can I add value to you? Luke 15, Jesus tells a story about his heart, about the Father's heart. He says that, uh, the story says that if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost, what would he do? Well, wouldn't he leave the 99 others in the, in the wilderness and go search for the one lost until, that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, won't he joyfully, joyfully carry it back on his home on his shoulders? And when he arrives, won't he call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found the one lost sheep? In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Every single week, we're looking for the one lost one. We're excited that the 99 are here and we're found and we're part of the team. But we're saying our church is about the lost one. How can we connect them to God? How can we use our lives to connect to them? So here's today, as I close, my, close the service and we end the, the, the service today, um, I want to give an opportunity for those that are that one lost sheep. You know who you are. Um, you just know it. You're, you're, you're not following God. Things are not working in your life. You've been looking for answers. And today God is inviting you saying, would you let me lead you? Would you let me help you? See, the Bible says that we have this big problem. It's, a, it's called a sin problem, that all of us have sinned. We've all messed up. And we've all fallen short of what God's best for our life is. But in the middle of that, he says, I'm going to solve that problem by sending my son to die on the cross. And if you'll invite me, if you'll let me lead you, I'll lead you. In fact, I'll forgive you those sins. I'll blot them out. I'll erase them and give you a brand new start. That is what the gospel is about. It's the good news, the story of saying, you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay in the past. You can move into the future. And today, you're here and I've been talking about adding value, and, and maybe you're the person that says, I need value added to me right now because I have no value. Things are stuck. Things are broken. Things aren't working. Do me a favor. Would you close your he- uh, eyes and bow your heads today as we close service? As I was talking, and, and you know that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If that was you and you said, that's me, man, I need, I, need, I need God to add value to my life. I'm kind of like that paralyzed man on the mat. I don't know what to do with my life, but I want God to heal it. I mean, my heart is, maybe my heart's paralyzed, my life's paralyzed, my relationships are paralyzed, my, my life is not working, and I need God to heal it. If that's you today, in a second, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand, with, proudly and, and, and boldly, and with, with just saying, that is me, I need God's help. I'm not going to call you to the front, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right in your seat. So if that's you, would you, would you do me a favor, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me today, and I need God's help. I respond. I'm that lost lamb. I respond. Awesome. Anybody else? Respond with the hand. For all those that raised their hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just a prayer of invitation of saying, God, would you lead my life? Add value to me. And at some point, God's going to say, now go add value to others. But at this point, just let him add value to you. Let him move and remove that past and let you start start fresh, a new start today. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a Christ follower, would you pray with us? Say this prayer, say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I admit that I need your help. Forgive me of my sins. 
Help me to have a new start. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for my sins in my place so that I can have new life. Today I invite you in, into my life. Lead me and guide me. Would you add value to me right now? Remind me that you made me for a specific reason and purpose. And I want to live that out with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It says all of heaven celebrates when one returns. We got a few. Can we celebrate with the, of heaven? So good.